Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Dairy Gold Agri, your solution to all your farm needs. Welcome to our programme. I'm John O'Connor. Coming up, West Cork ploughing cancelled for tomorrow's Sunday due to weather forecast. The big issues in farming for the next government. Mr Pat O'Toole, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal, with an analysis. The recent beef plan AGM and information meeting. Cork Secretary Helena Sullivan. Next in the programme, milk recording. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Stuart Childs, dairy specialist, Chagas Moor Park near Famoy. First of all, Stuart, welcome to the programme. Our topic today, milk recording. How many herds actually milk record? Have you a figure there? I care figures for 2018. That's the official organisation that records this information for the entire world. It says that only just over 6,000 herds in, in uh, Ireland are actually recording. And this counts for 35% of the herds and just over 50% of the cows. And this is quite poor relative to a lot of our compatriots. Uh, the Netherlands and the Danes, for example, um, they are in the region of 80 to 90% of both herds and cows. And in New Zealand, it's in the region of 70%, 75% of both herds and cows as well. So we have a lot of ground to make up, really, in, in terms of getting to the levels that they're at. But uh, it's for our own benefit, really, to do it. Uh, it's not in order to be competing with them in terms of the numbers. It, there, it, there's huge advantages to milk recording that we're missing out on, when, if not taking it up. Why is milk recording such an important tool for dairy farmers? Well, John, I suppose uh, perception is reality in some cases, and many times you could be milking cows thinking that you have some great cows in the herd. And yes, they might have a lot of milk volume, but the actual quality or the constituents of that milk could be quite poor. So a cow that you might perceive to actually be milking less uh, could actually be producing a lot more in terms of fat and protein and actually returning a lot greater revenue to you rather than the cow that seems to be milking quite a lot of milk but actually has poor quality so it's useful to identify good and poor performers in particular, and that's very helpful from in terms of trying to make better breeding decisions as well, so that you breed a replacement from the right cow potentially, rather than breeding a replacement from a very poor performer and continuing her legacy within the herd. The other advantage is that from a, a cell count point of view, if we manage cell count, we can manage to improve our yield overall because high cell count actually impacts on yield. So management of cell count is important as well, uh, and it's very difficult to do in the absence of milk recording because you get individual cow information through the milk recording and can react and respond appropriately uh, on the basis of that information. 
The other thing that it's uh, useful for is probably that in the unfortunate event of a TB outbreak, it actually improves the compensation that you receive as a result. So it's probably especially important for people where there's TB in an area currently that if you're not already milk recording, that some some milk recording data will be useful in terms of um, improving the compensation that's available to you. The other thing that I suppose just purely from a financial point of view, like again coming back to my poor performer versus our good performer, costs approximately €1,200 to keep a cow and they all need to play their part basically and fulfil their side of the bargain and not all cows do the reality is that in uh, in, a, in the average herd we have cows that are probably are producing less than what it's costing to, to keep them and uh, there are cows then that are producing well in excess of what, what it's costing to keep them so there are, the good cows are actually carrying passengers and the reality is that we could actually Maybe, for example, if we're milking 100 cows, which is kind of the average herd size in the dairy gold area now at this stage, that we might actually have just as much money milking 95 cows that are good as opposed to having 100 cows that have five passengers within the herd. So milk recording can help us to identify those and potentially help to eliminate them and at the very minimum eliminate us breeding a replacement from them that's going to continue in the same vein throughout the herd for the rest of, for the next number of generations. As regards the number of milk recordings, the frequency, how many milk recordings should farmers do in the year? Well, John, there's no, several options. It ranges from four, five, six, seven, eight uh, monthly milk recordings, etc. So there's a multitude of options out there. But at a minimum, we would suggest that people should be doing six, um, ideally, in order to have a, a good spread across the lactation need at least six in order to have one early in the lactation and have sufficient recordings left towards the end of the lactation as well. And that's, this is going to be especially important if people are considering selective dry cow therapy into the future. Now, if you're not milk recording currently and you're only starting this year, you won't probably be considering selective dry cow therapy really uh, for the end of this year. But it's the stepping stone in the right direction. So if uh, if you're doing selective dry cow therapy, you need recordings close to the time of drying off, which is going to be from November onwards. So you need to have recordings where basically at the end of the season to have a recording in uh, mid to late October and potentially mid to late November again to cover the cows that are going to be dried off just in advance of Christmas. And the other thing is that we need to have that early milk recording um, also as well. So that means that you really need six at least across the course of the season in order to get an accurate picture. When should um, farmers start milk recording each year? You've referred to early milk recording, but when should they start milk recording each year? I've said about the early milk recording, but to quantify when that is, it's actually in, in terms of the statistics that we can glean from milk recording data, 60 days is the key time from the date of the first cow calving. So if people have cows that have calved on the 15th or 20th of January, then at the very latest, uh, we need to be looking at just before Patrick's Day to be doing a milk recording. And in reality, we need to be thinking about that possibly uh, a fortnight or three weeks in advance because we have to bear in mind that service providers have to be given an opportunity to organise their 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 situation as well to, in order to provide the milk recording service to us at the time that we want it. The, so it's 60 days within the within the 60 days of start of calving in order to get the uh, vital information that is part of milk recording following uh, a dry period. In order to get that, it has to take place within 60 days, otherwise vital information will be lost. 
to amplify on the benefits, the many benefits of early milk recording. The advantage of that early milk recording and the disadvantage I suppose we'll start with is, is that it comes at a time when you're extremely busy trying to calve cows and also um, milk, uh, milk cows, fresh, fresh calvers, etc., feed calves. So it's it's tricky time, but it's a very important part of, of the whole annual situation in terms of the lactation and setting you up for the whole lactation. So the information that we get from it by doing it at the right stages, did we get a good cure rate from the dry cow tube that we've used over the course of the uh, dry period? If we didn't use dry cow tubes at all, if we've, some way, if we've gone down the route of selective dry cow therapy, have we applied that correctly so that cows haven't gotten new infections? Um, have the existing infections that were there cured? And if they haven't, should we actually be milking some of those cows again in 2020 if they've been troublesome through 2019? The question has to be asked. And in light of issues around antibiotic resistance and so forth, maybe are we going to be trying to cure an animal that is actually going to be incurable? And we're also putting the risk there that the rest of the herd is going to be get, get infected by this animal. So the other aspects of it that are... In, important from the point of view of recording early is that if we do identify new infections early uh, we can have a lot better treatment outcomes uh, and that's in particular to staph aureus which would have originally been considered as if it was there it was a problem that you were going to have to manage for the rest of the season but if we can catch the infections early we can actually stop them becoming incised in the other where they become uh, problematic and shed every two to three weeks causing cords and milk etc so if we can catch them early we can actually prevent them from getting to that stage. And obviously, if we catch infections early and identify problem cows early, we can stop the spread within the herd, which keeps the overall level of cell count in the herd lower also. Well, now, Stuart, we've left the hard question to the end. Of course, uh, farmers have to always think of the bottom line. It's their livelihood, whether they can continue or not. So in terms of cost... How much does it cost to have a milk recording programme for your herd? You've pointed out all the tremendous advantages, but of course, ultimately, people will look at the money aspect and people will often say more bureaucracy, another thing to do, more paperwork, etc. So to sum it up, how much does milk recording cost? Well, John, I suppose coming back to just a point that you made there, look, anyone that will tell you that milk recording isn't a job, will be telling you a lie. There is additional time required for to do it, but the the return for the investment in time that you're talking about is so good that it's it's well worth the effort. So it's um, the cost associated with it then is, is can be slightly off putting but people should bear in mind that there is a very good return coming from it and I'll come to some of those figures in a second. So roughly depending as I said already, we have a range of milk recording options from four recordings a year up to monthly recordings if we want to. Uh, but the kind of the standard uh, number of recordings that people do is probably in the region of the four to seven recordings, probably. So that's going to cost in or around 10 euro to 14 euro per cow. So yes, in a 100 cow herd, that's somewhere between 1,000 and 1,400 euro. But if we look at recent National Farm Survey analysis that's been done by Emma Dillon in uh, Athenroy, we can see that the herds that are milk recording are milking better herds. They actually milk 400 litres more per cow then they're, they're non-milk recorded compatriots, right? At 30 cent a litre, that's the equivalent of 120 euro per cow. That's approximately tenfold of a, a return on the investment in milk recording. They also have reduced cell count levels and increased their overall milk revenue because they're milking better cows, so they have better fat and protein. 
they're breeding better replacements so they, their fat and protein continues to improve and obviously as I said already their cell count is, is in, a, in a better position 25% better than the non-milk recorded herds uh, just on the cost of it, John, I suppose the fortunate thing for people in listening to this show is that both Deergold and Kerry uh, actually offer incentives, and Deergold offers an, an excellent incentive in terms of that they will actually cover half the cost of milk recording through a bonus that they pay on all litres supplied to the co-op. They also do a herd health bonus so that they will cover approximately half of the cost of a herd health programme, which is done um by collection of milk samples by the lorry drivers collecting milk, which is so completely painless in terms of what the herd owner has to do. And it's a great opportunity. The reason that this is being done is that Dairy Gold see this as being sustainability into the future. They want people to be milking productive cows that are leaving them emergent so that financially they're well off or better off. Um, milking less, maybe, but producing every bit as, as much milk. And, and what I mean by that is that you might be milking, as I said already, 95 cows instead of 100 cows and producing every bit as much and making as much money. Because bear in mind that that €1,200 Euro per cow cost is going to be there for every cow that's in the herd, potentially. So if you can produce the same amount from less cows, then obviously there's going to be more going into your own pocket. And the advantage of maybe potentially milking less rather than milking more is that there's a reduced workload because there's less cows to actually be seen. To There's also the advantages then of reduced facilities, etc., um, requirements for storage, etc., etc., that go along with every extra cow that has to be milked. So we're not saying that people shouldn't milk more cows. If people want to milk more cows, they can, but they need to be milking good cows. And if they need to, if they want to milk good cows, they need to milk record to know which cows are the good cows to be milking. People are free to contact their local cooperative or to contact their local Chagas branch because you're only too glad to help people get onto the system, explain to people how they can get into one of these incentive schemes uh, offered by our sponsor, Dairy Gold uh, Cooperative Society or Kerry. Absolutely, yeah, and of course uh, Munster Bovine there in Bellivorachine just outside of Mello are the people that look after the milk recording for this area and they'll be more than happy to help people out as well if people want to contact them. That's wonderful, thank you very much indeed for all that information and your great patience, Mr Stuart Childs, Dairy Specialist Chagas. Thank you very much indeed, Stuart. No bother, John. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Richard White, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Well, Richard, you have an update on ploughing now and the impact of weather, of course, on the series of ploughing events. Hello, John, thank you. And um, I suppose the weather is having a big effect at the moment on the ploughing. Tim League wasn't able to go ahead last Sunday uh, because of the weather and the uh, schedule for tomorrow, Sunday, February the 16th, has been postponed because there's a big a big storm on the way and lots of rain. And um, that's the third, third weekend in a row when the wind blowing has been disrupted. So there's a complete new schedule then drawn up and uh, hopefully the weather picks up. Carmore will be going ahead on Sunday, February, Sunday week, February the 23rd. Tim League, Sunday, March the 1st. Clagoch, Sunday, March the 8th and Kilbritton Sunday, March the 15th. It's the third weekend in a row we haven't had ploughing, but so the whole fixture list, we've had four matches being held in January. We've got a very good run, but just that this little bit of a blip in the horizon with all this rain at the weekend. So hopefully that our new programme can go ahead. It'll be Carmore on Sunday week, February the 23rd. That's grand. We keep in touch, and thank you very much indeed for that update. Mr Richard White, PRO, Cork West Ploughing Association. Thank you, Richard. Uh, thank you, John. 
Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Ms Helena Sullivan, Secretary of the Cork Branch of the Beef Plan Movement. First of all, Helen, welcome to the programme. Now, a very successful meeting held recently. Thank you, John. Yes, we had a very successful official Beef Plan AGM flash elections meeting held Thursday night, the 13th of February, in the Kulkara House, McCroom. Here we formed a new committee for the Cork Branch of Beef Plan new chairman for the Cork Beef Plan is Mr John Mulch. The vice chairperson and PRO is myself, Helen O'Sullivan. Our secretary is Inda McGurkin. Our assistant secretary is James Frawley. Our treasurer is Michael McCarthy. Our assistant treasurer is Michael Ford. And our assistant PRO is Michael Hurley. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank our outgoing chairman, Mr Michael McCarthy. He was a fantastic chairman for the last 12 months. He'd done a great job. Not an easy position by no means, especially when we're just a new organisation getting our feet off the ground. Any plans for further meetings we could mention to our listeners? There are other elections taking place throughout the various counties throughout the country. Um, Once all these elections have taken place, new committees will be formed in the various regions. And once they are completed, then we will go on to form a new national committee, which will be something to look forward to. Uh, with new people on board, we're hoping this will make it a lot easier. How would people find out more about what they would have to do to join your organisation, Beef Plan Movement? If they wish to join our uh, organisation, they can go to www.beefplan.ie or if they wish to contact myself, that's no problem, at beefplancork um, at gmail.com. Um, you know, we have various um, WhatsApp groups. If they wish to contact me, they can do so. Uh, my own number, which is 087-283-9703. If they'd like to become a member and be put on the WhatsApp group, that's no problem, where they will get um, information of what's been going on with the organisation um, from time to time. Thank you very much indeed, Ms Helen O'Sullivan, Secretary of Cork Branch of the Beef Plan Movement. Thanks, Helen, very much indeed. Thanks very much, John. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
In the Saturday, 15th of February 2020 issue of the Irish Farmers Journal, there are several articles by news correspondent for the journal, Miss Hannah Quinn Mulligan. Amongst the many articles is one entitled Winners and Losers in the Recent Election. Hannah looks at the outcome of the election in the light of the attitude of the winners to Irish farmers. Yeah, it's an interesting one for farmers. I suppose we all know it's up in the air still about coalition talks or potential coalition talks, but definitely some familiar faces popping up that farmers will be aware with. Of So we have Minister Michael Creed or outgoing Minister for Michael Creed down in Cork has been re-elected to Simon Coveney, who was... Uh, former Minister for Agriculture as well, had been re-elected. And then a lot of the independent faces that farmers will be familiar with. So we have Michael Healy Ray in Kerry. We have Danny Healy Ray as well, his brother. And um, and, and Michael Fitzmaurice would be a popular one as well, who received, I, I think, was an outstanding number of first preference votes. Um, in Roscommon, the Galway constituency. And then, of course, some more familiar ones for Cork as well. We have uh, Michael Collins in Cork as well, an independent TD himself and Matthew McGrant at Rary. An interesting one for Cork, and I'm sure it's been much talked about, uh, is Holly Cairns, who is a social democrat down in Cork in what would have been a very strong Fine Gael constituency traditionally. But Holly Cairns, um, she has a master's in organic agriculture and uh, she does say that she's a farmer and she does also say that she's the agricultural spokesperson for the social democrats so that could be interesting in future coalition talks because you know it could be the greens or it could be the social democrats maybe um who go into uh, coalition so that might be an interesting one for farmers as well looking at her and looking at her background of course then we have we can't talk about the winners without talking about the losers, and I suppose a, a big enough name would be in Tipperary would be a vet, um, Mary Newman Julian, who wasn't elected, um, but her sister would be Kate O'Connell as well in the Dublin South constituency, and she lost her seat as well. So that would be a big blow for that family that they didn't win those seats. So definitely some interesting ones there for farmers to be thinking about. In the journal, you have several articles, but amongst the interesting articles, €100,000 study to help farmers cut carbon footprint. That seems very reasonable. What's the background to that one, Hannah, your article there? Yeah, so it it is an interesting one. So it's basically the um, EPA has uh, awarded funding to a number of bodies who um, kind of for biodiversity and climate change. And one of them is uh, just shy of €100,000 has been granted to um, Dublin Technological College, which we which would have been DIT, who are going to be in partnership with Chagask. And what they're going to do is they're going to look at on-farm diversification, so ways in which farmers can move away, perhaps, from farming. So they're going to look at successful on-farm diversification that's happened in Ireland, and they're also going to look at diversification in other European countries as well, and how they could apply that to Irish farms. But as part of that, they're going to be surveying farmers across Ireland and they're going to be looking at, you know, traditional uh, maybe barriers or that, you know, things that farmers perceive, you know, that maybe prevents them from diversifying their farm enterprises. And it's all to do with trying to help farmers to reduce their carbon footprint. But I, I think some farmers might find it alarming and it'll be interesting how it pans out because at the same time, farmers don't want to feel like they're being forced in any way to stop farming or to limit the amount of farming that they do. So perhaps it's just an exploration and to see what's the most farmer-friendly way of um, diversifying their farming enterprise. 
of course, for younger farmers, for people looking for finance, it can be a nightmare. And now the low-cost loan interest rates, you find them disappointing when you study them. So your other article, page six in the journal, low-cost loan interest rates, disappointing. I've been following this uh, quite closely. So we call it low-cost loan, but I suppose for farmers out there, it's, it's formal name is the Future Growth uh, Loan Scheme. So uh, I it was long delayed and then when it was finally opened up farmers were able to apply but there was a two-stage application process so it's kind of been kind of hounded with kind of controversies the whole time so i was at a, at a meeting at an ifa meeting and a lot of farmers were saying you know it was their words that they were saying that they were finding the interest rate disappointing on the loan loan scheme so farmers can borrow between 50 grand uh, to 250 grand and the maximum limit for the interest rate on that amount is 4.5%. And then if they borrow over that, if they borrow between 250 grand to 3 million uh, euro, uh, then the interest rate, the maximum limit is uh, is 3.5%. So it drops and it can only be used on capital expenditure. So it couldn't be used on anything, say like you couldn't use it to stock your farm you couldn't use it to buy cattle or any or anything like that it has to be for cattle infrastructure what farmers are finding is when they go to apply to for a loan whatever bank they go to whatever the three pillar banks they go to they're finding that the interest rates say if they want a lower scale loan say between 50 or 250 grand the interest rate is very close to the maximum level and I suppose farmers are disappointed by this because they you know we all know about dairy expansion or even even beef farmer expansion that you know people would be looking for loans in the region of maybe a hundred grand or something to, to build a new shed that they, they might have had their heart set on for a couple of years and they might have been waiting for a loan scheme to come along like this and what they're finding is that the uh, interest rates aren't as competitive as they were expecting them to be or maybe aren't even as competitive as they are in Europe and that's what they're saying is disappointing so they expected it to be more competitive especially given they waited so long for this loan scheme and there were delays to it. With a new government, whatever rainbow type of coalition or whether we go for a new election, that's certainly one of the topics we shouldn't lose sight of. The availability of reasonable finance, that has got to be a key to the future of younger people getting into farming. Yeah, that's exactly. And I have been contacted by a few young farmers who've been disappointed by it because it's not just this loan scheme. There was another loan scheme that was brought in in Europe by the European Investment Bank in partner in conjunction, say, with the European Commission. And it had a number of kind of launches or funds used in France, and it was meant to be aimed at younger farmers. But no, not a single Irish bank actually applied, applied to this European Investment Bank fund that was meant to be for European farmers. You know, they relied on this future growth loan scheme that was funded by our um, part funded by our Department of Agriculture and you know essentially what farmers are saying is that you know it still wasn't competitive enough to bring down um, the interest rates the interest rates aren't as low as they were for the first low cost loan scheme that farmers would have used in say kind of that would have been launched I think around 2017 so you know farmers were a bit taken aback by that a rather negative uh, topic but one that people will appreciate to be reminded of various parts of the country we have cattle rustling people should be aware that animals are being stolen yeah, and I suppose they kind of associate it more with a border region problem. But we do know a few years ago there were cattle stolen in County Cork in kind of the West Cork area. 
So it, it's not unheard of. And I think the cattle stolen in this instance, it was, it was about 15,000 euro worth of cattle that were stolen in the Limerick area. So it is something for farmers to be aware of um, that, that it can happen. And, you know, you know we ha- and we do know as well that there is a, 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 a kind of a, a crime scheme, if you like, or a, a crime initiative being run by uh, the Gardaí and Bury and Brough um, involving milk lorries there where milk lorry drivers will text in any, anything suspicious that they see on the early morning rounds. So, you know, it is something to definitely be cognizant of that, you know, crime does happen and that it can affect your farm. So, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, I might sound like a broken record, but it comes down to, you know, padlocking and CCTV and taking as much precautions as you can. And no one likes to admit that it could happen to them. But, you know, you just have to be careful. Despite their importance, we leave aside just for the moment cattle rustling and security in general. But the question of convergence, that has the potential to cause some controversy. Convergence, some people would be quite concerned about that and the way it's going. Farmers, especially because we're in kind of a strong dairy region here in Limerick and kind of the North Cork region, something that will concern them is the issue of convergence going into a coalition-style government because parties that are very equal now um, in terms of the number of seats that they have but you know they'll be concerned with Sinn Féin coalition you know Matt Carty has come out he was an MEP and now he's a a TD in Cavan Monaghan but he did say on the Irish Farmers Journal that you know that Sinn Féin would be in favour of full convergence and that would be an issue say for kind of larger farms in the North Cork um, Limerick area um, where you know farmers will have feel that they've already lost quite a lot of money from convergence. So I think everyone will be keeping a careful eye on coalition negotiations. A very important point you want to cover related to safety. Yeah, just uh, to be aware as well, it's the spring calving season on a lot of farms that's got underway. And I think, you know, speaking to my own cousin, who's a dairy farmer, he said, you know, he's up to his ears in calves is is the way he put it. And he was very good humoured about it. But I think um, just for all, especially the dairy farmers listening, just to be aware of their own physical and mental health. And if they can get help on the farm during this time to definitely try and get it. Um, Or if they can even take an afternoon off, even say on a Sunday afternoon, afternoon just to take a nap or, or something like that. I know I'm sure some of them are laughing listening to me because um, they're so busy but just to be aware of you know, you know I'm sure their families will be mindful that they aren't around as much but to be aware that it's a highly pressurised time for dairy farmers in particular and for them to be aware to take care of themselves. Farmers should be very careful to keep children well away from calving pens and that maternal instinct is so strong the mother could turn on anyone or anything that seems to threaten her newly born calf. That's it, and that's when the highest number of accidents happen, and we know that statistically as well, that the highest number of accidents happen, not from bulls, but actually from cows that have just calved. And just one more point to make as well, John, I know... Um, farmers are very mindful of animal welfare um, but I think we all saw the videos of the calves in Cherbourg last year and we all know that there is a bit of a, an anti-farm campaign out there and it only takes one person with one smartphone to record or to film something so farmers when they're at marts or you know farmers when when they're on their own farms or even farmers when they're hiring help um, just to be aware to, to check people's references can be one thing sometimes taken out of context. Hannah, thanks a million. Thanks, John. Regardless of the outcome of negotiations to form a stable government 
or to hold new elections, the big issues would remain the same for farming. With a look at those issues, cap and convergence, carbon tax, live exports, taxation, the fair deal, nursing home scheme, etc., Mr Pat O'Toole, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal. The issues don't change for farmers, and I suppose the approach of the various political parties to those issues won't change that much either, and the question will be whether compromise positions can be found between the, the various parties to allow a coalition to be formed. Sinn Féin the Greens and Fianna Fáil. That has receded into the distance at the moment with Fianna Fáil's parliamentary party having said that they, they do not want to coalesce and will not coalesce with, with Sinn Féin. Um, <clears throat> I suppose one of the big issues there would have been the pressure point around convergence. Uh, Sinn Féin are in favour of pretty much full convergence, front-loading of payments. Um, and any Sinn Féin uh, involvement in government will see that agenda pushed forward by the likes of Brian Stanley, Martin Kenny, Matt Carthy and the other uh, rural constituency TDs that Sinn Féin have now elected. So that's, uh, that's one option. That now seems less likely. A second option was um, uh, what we call left, left and lefter. The, the first one was 40 Shades Green. Left, left and lefter being... Um, uh, a, a Sinn Féin-led alliance of the left-leaning parties, which would include the likes of the Social Democrats, Labour, the Greens, People Before Profit Solidarity, um, and to individual um, and individual um, uh, uh, TDs, uh, Joan Collins, um, perhaps the likes of Verona Murphy, Marion Harkin, could could fit into such a grouping. Um, newly elected independent TDs, rural TDs. <clears throat> It would be hard to see the likes of Matthew McGrath, the Healy Rays, Michael Fitzmaurice agreeing with such a left-wing grouping on uh, farming and rural issues, but it's possible. Um, but the more likely uh, coalition uh, than that would be one an alignment, what we call the civil partnership, which is basically the civil war parties uh, who supported each other in government uh, in recent times. It was... Fianna Gael being supported by Fianna Fáil, um, it, it would more likely be the other way around now, uh, because Fianna Fáil are now the party with the larger representation. They still fall shy. Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael's combined uh, total of seats with uh, 38 and 35 respectively, leaves them on 73. So that's shy of the 81 needed to have a majority in government. So they're going to need more um, more bodies. Um, there are the gene pool independents, uh, people who have a background in Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael and have previously supported governments like the Healy Race, like Matty McGrath, like Michael Collins in uh, West Cork. Um, on the Fianna Gael side, you have Verona Murphy very recently running for Fianna Gael. You have Michael Lowry. So there are, you know, the, the, uh, you have Dennis Nocton, um, Sean Canney. So there are enough numbers to get the... Uh, the magic figure of 81, whether it would be a stable government or not. The other option, um, which was explored in the dealer column this week, would be if the recognition by the two major parties of the vote for uh, change and emphasis, and especially for housing and health, which came up so much in the exit polls, to be addressed. And that would be a centre-left partnership uh, coming in with Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, such as Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, the Greens, the Social Democrats and Labour. Um, sort of reminiscent of the Rainbow Coalition that ran from 94 to 97, uh, which saw the Democratic left and the Labour parties joining with Fianna Gael at the time. Uh, so that will be a possibility. 
uh, and would have probably a more traditional, conventional approach to farming issues. Um, and farmers might feel more comfortable with, with, with such an arrangement. It would have a comfortable majority and would also um, re reflect six, almost 60% of the popular vote in the recent election. So it would have a mandate. <clears throat> Labour are currently saying that they will not enter any form of government. So again, um, it's shifting sands and it's, uh, it's getting harder and harder to see any form of government getting the magic 81. We know the importance of live exports and particularly in trying to solve what many people see as a virtual tsunami of uh, calves being born. Live exports, to find the attitude of uh, parties in coalition on that would be very important. So we know when Brexit bites, perhaps the UK might forbid any live exports crossing their land bridge. Live exports, another issue that farmers would be very, very worried about in terms of seeing what the attitude of coalition partners, potential coalition partners, would be towards live exports. Absolutely. And I think um, like the Green Party are unequivocal. They want live exports stopped. Even like live exports through the UK, they're not in favour of. Long-distance long transportation of, of live animals, especially young animals, is something they're implacably opposed to. Um, and it's very likely that the Greens will be in the next government, uh, if we have a government prior to an election. So that will be a big issue. The nitrates derogation, we touched on some of these issues last week in our sort of pre preview. The nitrates derogation is something the Green Party are not in favour of. And that will be a problem for Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. There's going to have to be some kind of compromise reached there. Um, and of course, carbon tax, carbon levy, Sinn Féin are opposed to a carbon tax. Um, and uh, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are both in favour of a form of carbon tax. Um, agriculture at the moment has an exemption. Farmers have an exemption on the carbon tax on agri-diesel. Uh, but uh, some independent TDs and even the Green, almost TD, Saoirse McHugh up in Mayo, uh, the candidate who ran a great campaign as a Green candidate um, in what would not be uh, traditionally fertile territory for the Greens in Mayo, uh, she was opposed as a rural uh, candidate, even though she was a Green Party candidate, she was utterly opposed to uh, a carbon tax because she, she thinks it's a tax on rural people rather than urban people, the way it's currently constituted, a tax on fuel. So we have a lot of issues to be resolved, irrespective of the makeup of the government, because we're going to have at least three separate entities. You can't get to 81. Fianna Fáil and Sinn Féin are the two largest parties in the Dáil. Put their 38 and 37 seats together, you're still only on 75 which is at least five and really realistically six short of what would be a working majority. So there's going to be three partners in government if we get a government, and that means there's going to be a lot of compromise. €100,000 EPA study to help farmers cut carbon footprint. So even though there is deep concern about a carbon tax, nonetheless, this EPA study, which will take about a year, I understand, looking at the article in the journal there, that particular study, it might show how farmers can, in fact, uh, essentially get paid for cutting the carbon footprint. And that might in some way quell the fear and anger in the rural community about having a carbon tax imposed on them. Well, this is the thing about um, carbon accounting. It's the, uh, you know, it, it will be a, a debit and a credit. Um, so farmers have long been saying that their land is a carbon sink, and now we have recognition from one of the senior uh, uh, officials in uh, DG Environment the, from the Commission 
uh, agreeing with that perspective. Now, there was one crucial sentence in his statement, and that is that farmers will be paid for the increased carbon they take in. In other words, there has to be a starting point, uh, a baseline. And what, when would that baseline be? Would it be 1990, which is when we are counting from for a lot of the things we're doing in relation to climate change? Or would it be from now, from 2020, or some point in between? We don't know that yet. And that's crucial to determining whether this is going to be something the farmers will get paid for, or will we have to go further and reduce our carbon footprint, either through reducing the amount of stock uh, in, on our herds or becoming more efficient in how those stock relate to the environment. Uh, there are a lot of trials being done with um, uh, mechanisms of reducing the methane output from cattle. Uh, seaweed in the diet is one. There's a, a, a gizmo that you can attach a sort of a, a, a cover that goes over the nose, um, which soaks up the methane and breaks it down into carbon dioxide and uh, water vapor, and that's called the ZELP, which is in trials at the moment. So there are potential ways of reducing our carbon footprint, and for that we will be paid. So there will be carbon taxes, there will be carbon grants, there will be carbon uh, payments for, for carbon capture, um, and it's just going to be a part of farming in the future. We'll end on one point, and I know that this would be of great importance in rural Ireland and in the farming community, to tie up this fair deal nursing home scheme. It's been so near getting over the line time and time again, the importance of the fair deal nursing home scheme, to have that tied up, signed, sealed and delivered by the next government for the farming community. Absolutely, and one thing that we don't... Uh, that I'm not fully certain of and we're going to try and find out for next week John is if, if we have a prolonged it took 70 days, 10 weeks for the last government to be formed and it could take potentially longer this time um, the, is there the possibility that the uh, caretaker government, the outgoing government could pursue that legislation and get it through uh, I, I'm not sure and uh, 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 could they at least be progressing it to the point where it's ready to be received the assent of the new doll very early in the new doll's life if if it um if it ever functions and sits or failing that the uh, following a second election um be ready for for that subsequent doll because the reality is that every single political party seems to be supportive of the fair deal legislation in principle. It's a matter of getting it over the line, irrespective of who's in power. Well, Pat, thank you very much indeed. Mr Pat O'Toole, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal. You're very welcome. And that's our programme for this morning. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to John Foot on Controls. And, of course, to you, the listener, for tuning in. Have an enjoyable weekend. Next Agri-Update due on this coming Wednesday evening between 10pm and 11 Thanks for listening. Dairy Gold Agri, your solution to all your farm needs. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.